In order to learn something new, looking at something from a different perspective can shed some light. Today, we're going to see the world through a different lens, specifically with a new look at transformative social and emotional learning. For returning guests, welcome back. And for those who are new here, I'm Andrea Samadhi, author and educator with a passion for learning, understanding difficult concepts, and breaking them down so we can all use and apply the most current research to improve our productivity and results in our schools, our sports environments, and modern workplaces. On today's episode number 222, we're going to look at social and emotional learning through a different lens with the work of Jason Littlefield and Eric Smith from Empowered Humanity, whose work established in 2017 to provide educators, students, and communities with a framework for life, leadership, and learning focuses on fortifying the individual and increasing societal cooperation with a valued center identity, human dignity, disrupting mindsets of fear, judgment, with inquiry and compassion. They believe that this framework fills a gap that we need at this moment to inspire us to empower humanity and affect the well-being of future generations in profound ways. And it's up to us to make this shift. I'll let you decide what you think. Let's meet Jason Littlefield and Eric Smith and dive into their framework to view social and emotional learning through the lens of human dignity and our shared humanity to see where we could expand our awareness and close any existing gaps. So today I wanna to welcome Jason and Eric. I wanna thank you both for coming on the podcast today. And Jason, you were my entry point when I saw your email and I noticed how long you worked as an SEL specialist, I thought there must be something you noticed was missing with the way SEL was being implemented in our schools. And like we said in our email correspondence, your vision to empower humanity and affect the well-being of future generations in profound ways is important and timely. So welcome both of you, Jason and Eric. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Now, before we begin with our questions to dive into this topic, I've got to tell you both that I was a bit nervous to do this interview, and mostly because it's a topic that I've not yet covered on this podcast, and I know it's important, but before this interview, I was actually listening to one of my mentors, Dr. Jeff Rose, and he's a former superintendent from Atlanta, Georgia. And he was covering the topic of equity-based leadership on his most recent podcast. And he had a guest, Joshua Starr, and he just wrote this book, Equity-Based Leadership, Leveraging Complexity to Transform School Systems. And he mentioned that equity and social justice are an integral part of any school system's agenda. So can we begin here? and have you both share what drew you to create a new framework to look at SEL through the lens of human dignity and our shared humanity, and how does this relate to equity-based transformation strategies? Um, I can go first, uh, if you don't mind. I, um, I saw egregious disempowerment uh, in my field um, that was being called empowerment. 
right? And um, when I inquired into why this was happening, the response was one you would get from people who aren't emotionally intelligent. Now, let me um, explain uh, what I mean by that. They, um, they felt that way because they haven't been exposed to traditional social emotional learning, which we'll get into uh, a little bit later on. Uh, so I wanted to do something about that. Um, and also, I mean, the response to me was, uh, to, to, to my inquiry was so, you know, uh, not civil, right? That I, I realized that, okay, this is, that was a straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, it was by no means the first straw, right? But um, at that point, and this was three years ago, 2019, at that point I said, okay, I, I, I have to try to look into this and, and do something about it. And you know, uh, through that research and, and uh, legwork, um, I arrived at the idea of empowerment theory and I was fortunate enough to meet Jason uh, who had similar uh, goals in mind. So what I want to do is make sure that whether we're doing anti-racism or anything else, you know, we do it in an empowering way. Uh, and, and we do it in a way that isn't, doesn't smack of blatant illiberalism, which we'll also get into uh, a little bit today. There is definitely a, an attack on classical liberal values and there's a, definitely an attack. There's a war on individuality, right? And, uh, and uh, I really don't like that because my nightmare is having my individuality erased to be a part of a group. You know, that's, that's, that's my nightmare. There's also the nightmare of several people in Russia in the 20th century and other places, but that's a bit of a stretch. We don't have to do that. Um, so that's where I am with this. Uh, and, and I think something that's really worth noting, uh, I heard Eric mentioned the year 2019. Eric and I didn't get together, start working together until last summer. Uh, and Eric is a rhetorician and Pennsylvania, and I was a social and emotional learning specialist in Texas. <clears throat> so we're completely different fields, completely different uh, professions, and obviously uh, there are some differences in our outwardly uh, stereotyped identity markers, but we, we were experiencing kind of the same thing. And when I heard you mention equity and social justice uh, a part of what was that? What was that quote? From, okay, from... So, so equity and social justice are an integral part of any school system's agenda from Joshua Starr from his most recent book. So what what I noticed uh, and I was an SEL specialist from 2014 until 2021 and around 2017, uh, the idea of equity and social justice started coming into the trainings, coming into the literature. And I noticed that they were presented, their, their philosophical basis was collectivist political ideology, collectivist political purposes, which as you know, Eric explained is simply just a direct attack on classical liberalism, a, a, an attack on the individual themselves. And I noticed that every time there's a push for this new ideology, it's detrimental to social and emotional well-being. So that was what really, I, what really got me thinking like, oh, wow, there is, 
there is nothing like this existing in the world. And what we're doing now through social and emotional learning practices and thought is detrimental to our social emotional well-being for the sheer purpose of a political objective. So I felt it was necessary for the now and the, the rest of our human existence and our species to have a set of attitudes and practices that cultivate what is best within us and tamp down those, you know, we'll talk about those inclinations for prejudice, aggression, and cruelty. Because the collectivist, you know, ultimately that philosophy believes that the reason why there is injustice and the reason why there is human harm is because of, indiv because of the individual and individual autonomy. So I was like, well, what if we developed a framework that cultivated what is best within us and tamped down those things within us that do cause each other to do harm so that maybe ultimately we can preserve the enlightenment classical liberal framework. Maybe we can use that framework that has advanced our species more than any other framework. Maybe we can continue using that framework uh, in the 21st century. Got it. So can, can we look at your framework? Um, you've got your three pathways of practice and your three attitudes. And can you make it really clear what's wrong with the old way versus what you see needs to change? Sure. Can, uh, can I, I would like to read a little something taken from a castle video uh, taken. And this is a quote from Rob Jagers who is the Castle Vice President of Research. And I will touch on the, just this initial concept of fairness. And I want us to look at how the, that classical liberal value of fairness is being, sh is being shifted. Uh, and he says that, and this is from a video called Castle Cares, SEL as, as a lever for equity and social justice. But uh, Rob says, Fairness is a fundamental consideration in transformative SEL. As young people get older, as children begin to age, they can understand fairness in different contexts. So that's the first like clue, like, okay, there's a, there's a shift here. So fairness in uh, different contexts. Issues of identity begin to intersect. There's that word intersect with the basic understanding of how to treat people. And then we as the adults help them to scaffold that knowledge and, they ha and then have them become more fairer, more humane, or just et cetera. So that's the shift that this new, this new approach, this new collective philosophy is more humane and it is better than, than the old way. Uh, and then one of the, just, just an initial, like, well, it's not working, is that whenever we separate ourselves from somebody, you know, focus on seeing them as an other, it builds up psychological conditions to do that person harm. And not just that person, but other people that look like those people. So... Uh, and, and then also uh, the new way of 
self-awareness, the examples that Castle gives for self-awareness are racial identity and gender identity. Uh, and then for self-management, they talk about collective agency. So it's just, it's just clear that this new approach is a uh, more of a philosophical, uh, political framework than a human-centered framework. And I want to stop right there and let Eric chime in. Well, uh, I'm smiling because I literally pulled up the screenshot of what he's reading right now. Right. And and their idea of SEL, let me, okay, let me be as clear as possible here. Um, it's one thing to have, you know, traditional SEL and transformative SEL and acknowledge them both, right? You know, um, if we have a particular telos, a particular goal, Maybe we need to look at uh, transformative SEL for this particular situation or things like that. It's another entirely to fully replace traditional SEL with transformative SEL. That is a uh, political movement um, comparable, and I, I'm gonna keep doing this, comparable to some of the things that Vladimir Lenin said about education in the 1920s um, when he was um, trying to bolster and maintain communism in Russia. All right. so. So that idea uh, concerns me, but let's talk about what uh, Jason just brought up with the social awareness and um, self-awareness and things like that. Those are the main components of emotional intelligence, which are the main components of empowerment theory, right? So what empowerment theory is supposed to do, we call it empowered humanity theory because we want to, we want to emphasize humanity as opposed to racial groups and things like that. Um, what empowerment theory is supposed to do is be more broad. It's we have self-awareness as racial class, gender identities. No, self-awareness as identity, period, right? Um, as uh, knowing who you are as a person. If you want to focus on race, class and gendered idea, uh, identities, it's a free country so far, you know, um, you can do that. But if you're narrowing it down to race, class and gendered identities, that's not really SEL. That's SEL insofar as it pertains to social justice goals. Not that social justice goals are inherently bad, they are not, but SEL is so much more than that. And when you narrow it down to something like that and you dismiss the traditional SEL, that is definitely a political endeavor. Self-management as collective agency, that's literally the opposite of <laughs> self, right? Maybe social awareness. Uh, self-management is about self-management, not collective management mm -hmm. and agency. So this is what they're, they're, this isn't even SEL. Right, it's something else, but they're using the label to, you know, uh, sell it, SEL it, it, so to speak. Yeah. So, so yeah. And one of the one of the new concepts of, of social awareness, Castle gives the example of belonging. Um, I know I can speak to the fact that if you don't be believe uh, in the in the new approach, uh, then you don't belong. Uh, and we can get into that, but I, that's something that I have experienced. So when I see transformative SEL and belonging, my experience with myself and with others reveals that the only true sense of belonging is if you agree with the new ideological approach. 
Right. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Jason, because it, it really drives home the major issue. Well, one of the major issues uh, with transformative SEL, right? Uh, it's only social awareness insofar as it follows a particular ideology of social justice. So when you're being self-aware and self-managing, you're, you're figuring out who you are as an individual. But if who you are as an individual is somebody who doesn't emphasize social justice as much as other people, you're, that's wrong, right? So uh, this is not a very, um, you know, open-minded and, uh, you know, collective uh, ideology or practice at all, really. You know, it's narrowed. You're only allowed to be one, you know, two or three things, or really you're only allowed to be uh, one thing when it comes to social justice. And that's not what we're trying to do here. So what are you hearing? Have you shared your model with schools? What are you hearing? Have you had pushback? Have you had positive feedback? What are you hearing with these ideas of what you're seeing with SEL? Jason? Uh, I will start with, have you received pushback? I want to go back to 2017, 2018, when I first, you know, kind of really started piecing things together. And I would like to add that in 2012, I saw this new tidal wave in, in the culture coming, and I made the ultimate decision, decision to leave the country and to not be a part of the destructive, the divisive, the dehumanization that, that was clearly coming, coming down the pike. So once I saw it enter, uh, and then obviously I did come back to the United States, <laughs> uh, but experiencing the ideology and coming up with a, a humanity-centered approach, I was, uh, I was isolated from my working group. Uh, I've had former colleagues explain, use the term bullying behavior was directed towards me. Uh, I was, when I was still working with the district, I was, I was ultimately told not to share the humanity centered, uh, framework with the local people, people that I was working with. Um, and then I, I, for years, I tried to have this conversation as a professional, because I understood, like we are we're wreaking social emotional havoc. Like this is, we're destroying ourselves. We're eroding ourselves from the inside. Uh, so there was great pushback. Uh, I've been called somebody that's perpetrate, perpetrating white supremacy. Uh, I've been told, I've been called all kinds of horrible names. Uh, but I will say that we are uh, here in a couple of weeks, we're beginning a year long journey with a with a school district that specifically sought us out uh, because they see value in what we're doing and they also see the historical harm that comes from when these uh, ideas are generated into the public and you know we it's very complicated because compassion love and rage have all been weaponized. Uh, so that's part of also what Eric and I, what we're trying to do is explain what this divide is, explain what things are, that it's more of a 
philosophical and and moral sense of values rather than the ideology. So there there's a lot of there's been a lot of pushback, especially early on. But I think now uh, people are are ready and they're and they're hungry, especially people that have been in equity and been in the social justice movement for years and report that, you know, at the end of the day, we're still divided. Uh, and then there's really nothing that has come out of this. It's just a this constant state of cynicism while dreaming of this utopian vision. And so that people are now starting to see the real value in what we're doing. Can we look at it? Like, what are your sure. pathways to practice and what are your three attitudes? Because I think if we look at what it is, it makes it, you know, easier to understand. Exactly. Um, Eric, you want me to? You yeah, you, you start yeah. first and I'll jump in because I, gotcha. I have uh, some shameless plugs gotcha, to uh, gotcha. put in there as well. So, so uh, the one of the first ideas uh, attitudes is a value-centered identity. Uh, I noticed so much of our, not just our, but children are being asked to put themselves in these boxes, uh, racially, genderly, and sexually, put, put ourselves in one of these uh, identity markers. Well, from the classical liberal and from a, a uh, that standpoint, we believe in a, in a value centered, like where people select what their values are. And we do this th through our workshops. We have a, and, and it's even on online for free, but a, a worksheet for people to self-select their own personal values so that those values can guide and direct their thinking and their behaviors. So it, if, all of our actions come from our core values. That's that's more of a a whole person. Uh, you know, SEL talks about the whole child, but if we're not leading from that value sense, that's we're only uh, acting as a reduction of ourselves. And then also uh, one of the other attitudes is developing mindsets of inquiry and compassion over fear and judgment. Because you know that those reactions and responses of fear and judgment are, are those first, those primitive thoughts from our brain. Uh, and that fear and judgment, those are the things that limit the potential of ourselves and lim can limit the potential and, do, and cause harm to other people. So how do we, in the moment, uh, disrupt those thoughts of fear and judgment to lean into inquiry and lean into compassion? And then uh, the third attitude is a, a dignity lens. How do we, how do we celebrate our our differences, but then honor the dignity of self and others? And my really kind of fascination with this concept of dignity came through Donna Hicks's work, uh, and then looking at others. But a way that we can break down dignity is separating the human from the being. And what I mean by that is what you, what you see and hear and are interacting with is my biology and my conditioned personality. And we all have uh, unique features of that, but 
what we have deep inside of us beneath that is our being and all beings share two, two things. Does it matter how old? Does it matter what our, what our skin color, our gender identity, any of that, all beings share the desire to avoid suffering and the desire to alleviate suffering uh, when we encounter it. So how do we you know, navigate our daily lives through this dignity lens without harming each other? So those are the three big attitudes. And then the pathways of practices are practices that build uh, awareness and equanimity, practices that celebrate uh, our common humanity and break the walls of indignity, and then practices that build kindness and compassion for self and others. So if we think about those three attitudes and three pathways of practice, combining with the concept of neuroplasticity, that we become what we practice on a neurological basis, if we are practicing these six attitudes and practices in real time, every day, throughout the day, throughout our lifetime, then we're building, that's where the empowered humanity theory comes from, because the theory behind it is, is if we can all practice these things throughout our lifetimes, then our humanity will be empowered in a way that we have not yet before in our multiple thousand year history. Got it. And yeah. Eric, what do you, what do you, what can you add? Um, well, I, I can add that um, I too recognize um, the importance of dignity in all of this. In, in my um, in my latest book, there's a shameless plug: um, the lure of disempowerment. I, I identify dignity or a lack thereof as a major motivation for a lot of contemporary social justice. Um, what I see in my field and activist circles and things like that are what I call in the book, a dignity grab. And, and, and what I mean by that is these are people who uh, do not feel uh, sufficiently dignified, right? And are doing what they can to acquire that dignity. And obviously they're doing it in ways that aren't uh, emotionally intelligent in, in, in my opinion. Uh, they're doing it in ways that necessitate a degradation of people they see as enemies and, and not a um, you know, attempt to understand, right? Um, which is what SEL is supposed to be about uh, to an extent, um, at least part of it anyway. So that is why I embrace empowerment theory, um, the uh, psychological theory that uh, I came across in the 90s, but didn't really get into until recently, right? Um, I embraced that because the three components of that, and, and, and Jason uh, touched on them uh, just now, but I'll you know, uh, retouch on them. Uh, the three components are typically called the intrapersonal, the interactional, and the behavioral. So the intrapersonal is what Jason called you know, social awareness, not sorry, self-awareness, um, emotional self-control, achievement orientation, you know, how you motivate yourself. Um, I um, add by implication, uh, intrinsic secure base, you know, how do you um, create a, a sense of security in yourself? What are the steps you can take to do that? Uh, and that is important because you need to be, you know, sufficiently self-aware and uh, sufficiently able to self-manage in order to do the other two components, 
the other being interactional, uh, which is getting together with other people, understanding, uh, having organizational awareness, understanding your environment and the values, attitudes, and beliefs that are favored therein, right? And then there's the behavioral, which is collaborative. He, uh, Jason mentioned, uh, you know, uh, empathy and understanding and things like that. Um, insofar in, you know, what I've, in my research about uh, the empowerment theory anyway, insofar as it helps us collaborate to make the world a better place, right? We, we identify what are called superordinate goals, goals that uh, totally disparate groups can have, that they can work together to acquire. All those things are necessary to be truly empowered. The thing is though, a lot of people, and I was guilty of this for quite some time, they skip the intrapersonal, right? They skip the need to be uh, self-aware. They skip the need to acquire skills of uh, emotional self-control. Uh, they skip the importance of anti-fragility, right? Um, and obviously uh, what I talked about before, achievement orientation, uh, secure base. And if you skip that and you're insufficient in that component of empowerment, there's gonna be a domino effect with the other components. So now when you enter into other spaces, uh, you do what um, uh, Jonathan Hyde and Greg Lucano call uh, cognitive distortions, right? You're, you're, you're mind reading now. You're projecting something traumatic that happened to you onto a space that has nothing to do with it, right? Um, you're, you're, and you're not even aware of that because you're not self-aware enough uh, to do that. So you're, you're fortune telling now, you're catastrophizing. Right, you're you're assuming that people are a certain way because of the way they look. So there's an inherent uh, fallacious uh, uh, component to this whole thing, right? So so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get. We are trying to get all those things um, together. And traditional SEL is supposed to be that. Unfortunately, as we already talked about, transformative SEL does all of that. Well, most of that, in so far as it applies to social justice. And the social awareness, well, the self-awareness and self-management is really, um, here's your group identity. And if you abide by that, now you're self-aware, which is not the case at all. So uh, that's what I have to say about that. I'm gonna stop before I really start to ramble. So what would be some entry points for people who want to incorporate your framework? I would say that the first entry point is to examine the first, the fir basically the first principle belief regarding the concept of the individual. Uh, if, if schools, businesses believe, ultimately believe that the individual is the moral and political center of society, and that every single person has uh, should have honor, dignity, and worth, then our framework is for that organization. Uh, if you believe that ultimately, you know, the individual is the source of injustice and the source of harm, and that if we can erode individual autonomy and sovereignty and get rid of the Enlightenment liberalism society, then transformative SEL and the kind of new way of DEI and anti-racism, that is the model for, for those organizations. Got it. And so uh, for people who wanna 
learn more, they would go to empoweredpathways.org and just reach out to you. Um, how would you work with the school and what capacity? Absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we do simple, you know, a one day workshop. We'll do a two day workshop uh, or we will offer continued coaching and consulting throughout a school year or even multiple school years working on embedding uh, the six ideas and practices of empowered humanity theory, you know, have it representative in policy, have it representative in how we are interacting with our with our staff, how we're interacting with students, and how we're working together as professional colleagues. Perfect. And you did mention you have a you have another workshop that's coming up that you wanted to promote. What is that? Yes, we do have a, a a workshop that we're doing July 18th in Arlington, uh, and that is we're calling it fourth wave anti-racism, uh, really addressing, you know, those psychological, you know, the, the core root of racism, which is, ex which is the, you know, all humans have that capacity, that in-group bias preference, and then the capacity for prejudice, aggression, and cruelty. And the more that we focus on othering people, uh, we strengthen those capacities. So we've noticed that modern day anti-racism, how it is, is actually cultivating racism and it's cultivating dehumanization. So we are advancing that conversation. Uh, we are working to rid the world of racism and of hatred and of, of those bigoted uh, reactions. We don't believe that the key to ending racism and the key to ending human harm is getting rid of their autonomy. I want to thank you, Jason and Eric, for your deep thought on this topic of taking SEL and looking at it through a new lens. And can you finish my sentence of how you want to look at SEL through a new lens with your framework? Um, I would like to, I guess, kind of focus on this idea of pushback uh, versus pulling in. Uh, the, the, tr the way that SEL is gone and the way that anti-racism and modern day diversity, equity, and inclusion has gone, it views me, it views these ideas that Eric and I were pushing forth as bad and as wrong thing. So if those that are questioning these ideas, we're seen as pushing back. Essentially what we're doing is we're, we're reaching in to offer support to those that see the value in the individual and that want to strengthen our shared humanity and want to advance our species uh, beyond this kind of barricade that, that we're putting ourselves in. Got it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your framework. Thank you so much. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com.